thanks Dion for, for um, coming up. Actually, it leads right into the first part of my message, which is titled Prayer and Fasting for Revival. And um, the earth is groaning, and the world is a stormy place right now. Amen. Storm violence, protests, division, storms of all of that type of thing, you name it has the intensity that is going on in the world in that storminess, how has that intensity increased the spiritual activity of the church? Have we responded in kind to the, um, the depth of trouble that's going on out there as the church? And that was a question I asked myself. And so early this month, as we're praying, I'm believing that it's stirring up more intensity in us, in the church. And so I trust that uh, you're one-third of the way through the fast. The, yeah, we can, we can rejoice at that. Um, however you've chosen to participate in this time, please remember that it's 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I understand that there are some people that are, are not able to fast, or maybe there's, there's things going on, but remember it's prayer and fasting, amen? And so, this is a time, we're through this time, God's dealing with areas of our soul that maybe been hindered in the past, amen, we've come out at 23, I know that there's some people in here, we're only 14 days into a new year, and I know that there's people in here that have been through a lot already, 14 days, 14 days, and we've already come under spiritual attack, under physical attack, but if we keep the faith if we believe, if we keep our trust in Him, even if we trip up on the fast, as long as He sees that our heart's desire is for more of Him, we just want more of you, want more of your word, more of your wisdom, more of your guidance, we definitely need that for 2024. And if we keep our eyes on Him, just, this is working quite well, Dion, isn't it? If we keep our eyes on Him, He will bring us through to victory. Amen. So you'll bring us through to victory. I was praying this morning there in the prayer about encounters. I really believe and I feel that, um, that, we, that we need, even if we're Christians, we need another encounter. If, you're, if you don't know the Lord, I hope that you have an encounter with Him. Because an encounter, or you could in Scotland, we'd say have a run-in with God. You know, have a run-in have an encounter with Him. An encounter is not something that we, you know, I don't use the word encounter lightly. Well, we go through our life and we have all sorts of encounters. I'm talking about an encounter, like the leper in Jesus, like um, Saul on the road to Damascus, like Moses. In a, I'm talking about that kind of encounter that completely transforms and changes someone's life. And so I'm believing for that. So we will be brought through to victory and I believe that we'll have some encounters. I want this church to encounter God's presence in a greater way this year. And if you feel, well, I'm already feeling weak on the fast, don't worry. That's exactly what the fast is designed to do. It makes us weak. We feel weak. Amen. We feel weakness, and that's the weakening of the flesh is an area there where we can say, well, that's it. Now I need to rely on strength from something else. 
when we get some unpleasant things might rise up, you might be getting angry or hangry. You might be getting, um, you know, um, narky or bad, t- or crab, let's just say crabbit, all right? Um, you may be frustrated. You may even feel a little rebellious, but it's part of the process of cleansing. It's part of the fast. Amen. Someone laughed hard there, so maybe something's going on. But one of the amazing things about prayer and fasting is that it's very present. You know, we think about prayer and fasting and the the, the Jews, God's people, having their fasting days, and we think, this is all Old Testament stuff, and it's like an old, ancient, you know, duty. But it's not. It's, it's for us in the very present moment. We fast for something in the future, but we, almost Im- we do immediately feel the effects of our commitment to fast right now. We're fasting for something, but the, this fast is hitting us at the moment. And I'm believing it that that intensity will increase this week and the following week too. Amen. So fasting is going to bring an edge to your prayer life. Prayer and fasting. The fasting brings the edge, like the sharp edge, because, you know, the natural cannot not be affected by our prayer and fasting because we're already impacting the natural. So it can't not be affected. Amen. You know, I've got to confess, we pray, we come, we come to sunrise prayer, and some of us say, you know, I can pray for 10 minutes, or maybe I can pray for an hour, but I know in one hour's time, there's a coffee waiting for me, or there's a, a meal or something. And so I'm like, you know, I can take that time, and then I know that my routine's going to go back to normal. So I'm confessing that. Sometimes I'm thinking, you're praying and your mind wanders, doesn't it? And when you've committed to a fast, you you deal with that in your prayer time because you know that's not coming. Or that whatever that normal habitual thing is that you would do is not coming. Amen? So the fast, it's not an outdated thing. It's not far removed from where we are, okay? This fast is moving us through the early part of 2024, okay? And it's happening right now, and it's injecting divine context into our lives. It's, it's setting us up for the rest of the year, church. This fast is setting us up for the rest of the year. And um, <clears throat> I've, got to, um, I've got to say that sometimes... Uh, I do things on a very sh- short notice. The fasting is going to bring everything into context just now. Um, I, I tend to be that way myself. Everything is done on short notice. And I'd probably drive the media team up the wall. you know. But I can't plan a, a sermon series for the whole year because the Holy Spirit's not subject to a curriculum. He just does, he, the Holy Spirit just does it. So I know I'm probably get all the pelters in the world like, where's your scriptures, Pastor David? It's like the Holy Spirit moves in time, in, in, in the context of our life today. And so I come out of a week with people and myself and my messages on a Sunday normally reflect the week that I've had. And I don't know if that's good or bad, <laughs> but that's the way, that's the way it is. So there's this, God has just said, be flexible. And this fast as well 
it's a flexible discipline. You have to do it the way it's going to work for you. It's not based on performance. We're not trying to clock up hours. What we're trying to do is gain intimacy. We're just trying to draw closer to God. And if it's like clocking up hours, it's like spiritual point scoring. And that is not a good place to be. It's not a good way to start the year. God is not interested in our performance. He's interested in our heart drawing closer to him. Amen. So um, this, this year, we're, we're, the fast is going to strengthen our relationship early in the year. And that, in turn, is going to help us to be more effective vessels for the ministry that God has. So if you're a minister this morning, put your hand up. Yeah, put your hand. You're a minister. You're all ministers. The Bible says that you're all ministers of reconciliation. You all have the, we all have the task. We're in the Lord's army. We're in the Lord's army. Amen. And so he has things for us this year. And I want to share, I've got a message brewing on God's, on we are God's army. And I want to share that soon. But so we're putting first things first this year. We're putting our appetite in second place. We're putting our appetite for things that we like to do in second place, and we're putting God's kingdom first. And when you come at the start of a year with your first fruits, that changes everything for the rest of the year. Amen? And so the fast also helps us to combat the natural appetites we have. And I'm saying that across the board, not just food. The fast helps us to combat natural appetite. Now, natural appetite, our fleshly appetite, has led us to some pretty unhealthy places. And so the, pur the purpose of the fast is to break that reliance on our natural appetite. Amen? And so it is a discipline. It is flexible, but it's a discipline. And if we observe it, we'll be we will be rewarded for it. It's a set-apart season. Do it. Does anyone, has anyone ever heard of the minister Derek Prince? Yeah. He's a very anointed minister. And him and his wife used to fast every Wednesday, every week. So 52 days of the year, they fasted every Wednesday without, without fail. And so... Um, the longest continuous fast that he ever did was 14 days. And so it's not a performance thing. It's, it's getting into rhythm with the kingdom of heaven. It's getting into rhythm with God's spirit. Amen. And so for us to choose a day to fast a week is not a bad thing to do. It would be a great thing to do. Amen. So if you haven't, if you're still finding your feet on the fast or if you're new in the Lord. And you're like, I've never heard about all this fasting before. Then it's okay. You'll, you'll begin to understand it and find your feet. Amen. So we read last week out of Isaiah that this is the fast that God has chosen. The devil hates it when we fast. The devil hates it when we put our mind to praying and fasting. Especially when we call a corporate fast. Because when you come together corporately, when we come together as a church, that is like the intensifying. If you take one laser beam and I shine it in Lewis's eyes, he's not going to be happy. But can you imagine a hundred combined? 
And this is the intensity. We increase the intensity. Um, you know, if, if, if one can put a, a thousand to flight and two can put 10,000 to flight, how many more could, how many people are sitting in the room today? Bill? <laughs> About, I don't know. I see, every, I, see a, I see a body in every seat in this church. I see, per, I, I, you, the, 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 in the natural, there's nobody sitting next to Elner, but I see someone sitting next to Elner. I see this church full. I see this church full. So when we bring all of that combined together, that is the power of it. Amen. And so we've already lifted up our concerns and our needs, our prayer concerns. When we start to write things down, Lord, this is what I'm fasting for. It, it, it. If you, experience, if you are experiencing attack and more intense, maybe even feeling a heaviness and depression trying to come upon you, it's because you've just gone on the offensive to the kingdom of darkness. You've made a decision to use your weapons to go against the devil and everything that he stands for and that he's trying to bring into your life. So I want you to remember this is not for fasting's sake, it's for an intended purpose. And you may have your own theme for this fast, but we have a corporate theme, and that's where this message title comes from this morning. I never said it last week. I've been thinking about it all week, but it's for revival. It is. It's if we, we're fasting for the lost. You know, revival is made out of two words, re and vival. So it's like something that has happened in the past has to happen again and so, you know, anyone here ever done a, uh, uh, or you just, you've seen a, a movie or uh, been on a first aid course, you understand what it means for something to come back to life, to be resuscitated. And revival is basically taking something that has turned cold and is dead, and it revives it back to life. And this is what I'm, 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 I want to speak about for just a few moments this morning, is revival making people alive. It, this may even be the fast that brings you back to life. Amen. That we are bringing us back to life. Revival, what does revival mean for a Christian? Revival means, I believe, for a Christian, bringing us back to our first love. What does a revival mean for the lost? Revival for someone who doesn't know anything about Jesus is that their spiritual life, which is dead, comes to life. That's what revival is. So when we pray for revival for Kilwinning, Stevenston, Irvine, Largs, the North Coast, wherever you're from, we're praying for the lost to know Jesus and for their spirits to wake up. It's like, it's like, like eyes open like that. And so that is what we're praying for. Amen. And so I'd like you to pray for revival, fast for revival. Amen. And Pray for encounters. Pray for people to have encounters with the Holy Spirit. Pray, um, dec dec literally maybe over 20 years ago, maybe 30 years ago, I don't know, my mom and dad were in Paris, France, and um, they were waiting in the queue at the Eiffel Tower, and they were in queue with two women, a Muslim lady and her daughter, and they began to speak and witness to this Muslim lady and their daughter, and it was just chit-chat. And they went, and then um, they were doing their thing, and they said, um, 
where are you staying? And the Muslim lady and her daughter in all of Paris were staying at the same hotel as my mom and dad. They had dinner together that evening, and this, the Muslim lady's daughter said that she had had a vision of Jesus. She had had an encounter with Jesus. And that is what our fast, our, our praying and fasting does. We can usher in these encounters that people can have visions of Jesus, encounters with Jesus. Do you believe that? And so, um, do anyone remember the song we used to love to sing? Planting a seed here. These are the days of Elijah. So one lyric in that song is, these are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming as flesh. So it's like the dead, there's something that was dead that is brought back to life. Now, in the, in the, in the, in the context of that, it was an eschatological prophecy. It was God's people who did not receive their Messiah, crucified him. But it was for a future time that the house of Israel is going to be brought back to life. The dry bones, the dead bones will live again. And how is it achieved? How does anything that is dead come back to life? There has to be breath. And so who breathes the breath? The Holy Spirit breathes the breath. We, and so if someone was in an, even in a natural sense, if, if Lewis resuscitated some, someone, he would, the old way, not nowadays, you would breathe into their lungs to give them life again. Amen. And so we often talk about revival being birthed. But if something is birthed, it must have a father. If something is birthed, so in, in, in revival's case, who is, the, who, births a, who is the father of revival? The Lord. Amen. And who are we? The bride the co-laborers, so the two coming together, the power, the power of Christ and his bride births. Revi that's where the seeds of revival come from. So when we decide to fast and pray, it's going to get intense. It's normal. Amen? Because we're pushing back the spiritual waves that are coming. And make no mistake, they're coming. They're coming thick and fast. Man, I don't, sometimes you, you're apprehensive about even looking at the news because the, 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 the intensity is going up, isn't it? And so you, we are going to experience resistance. Church, when resistance comes, don't run away. We, there will be persecution, there will be tribulation, there will be resistance, but you have the strong arm of the Lord on your side. Do not look at how many are against you, how many are for you. I want to say this morning that if you're in church this morning and you think, I feel overwhelmed, I can't cope, I want to say, God is for you. He's not against you. If you decide to become and be planted in a local church, it becomes your family. Those people are for you. They're not against you. We're still people and we still irritate one another, but we have love, we have grace, and we have mercy, 
and we have the fruits of the Spirit. So this is what we do. Satan is going to try. You might be in church this morning. I've never, I've never heard one church service ever where Satan is mentioned. You're going to hear that name a lot here because he is our adversary. He is our enemy, and he is going to try and exploit every weakness that you have. And when you're on a fast, you become weak, and he will try and exploit your weakness. But lift your eyes to the hills. There's your, it's like Gideon turning around. It's like, Lord, we are no way we're going to win the battle, the Midianites, but he just, turn around, please. Have a look at what's behind you on the horizon line. Oh, man. <laughs> armies. Armies. Amen. So he'll try and exploit it. Why? Because we're people. Matthew chapter 26, verse 40. Jesus came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. Okay, this is close to his death. They're sleeping. He says to the disciples, what? Could you not watch with me just one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation, because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. And so this is our opportunity to stand in the authority that we've been given. Jesus says, I've given, he's told his disciples, I've given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and to drink deadly stuff, and it will by no means harm you. I, I, I believe that when we truly, when we know, when we have faith that you could be in some place and you may have to drink or eat something, it's not going to harm you. Amen? It's not going to harm you. So we can bind the things that have been assigned. Do you believe that there's an assignment even? Assignments against your life. Assignments against the life of a church. But we stand as a church and we say, Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. Your assignment will not prosper. Your, your assignment will fall to the ground without cause. It will go no further in Jesus' name. And this is the area now we're getting into in 2024, where back in the charismatic movement of the 80s and the 90s, everything was, everyone was talking about spiritual warfare and even going up to high places to do spiritual warfare. We do spiritual warfare in our closet. We do spiritual warfare in our car, riding our bike, wherever we are, cooking the din dinner. We do spiritual warfare. Amen? And so we get this delegated authority, but it's of no effect unless we use it. And this is why the encounter, another encounter, the centurion and Jesus, uh, I, as long as I can get to Jesus, the centurion's, centurion's daughter had died. But as soon as Jesus began speaking to the centurion, he located that man's faith because he said, Lord, you don't have to come to my house. I'm a man under submission. I understand authority. And as soon as, as, soon as Jesus knew that the man understood authority, everything changed. The man's daughter was raised to life. If we resist authority... If we will not submit to authority, we don't understand it. And so when God's, when, when, when God's kingdom, he is at the top. Amen? And so we have to understand authority. And so when we use our delegated authority in a rightful way, the purpose for which it was intended, it works. Amen? And so Luke 10, 19 to 20, if you want to mark that in your notes, but I won't go there. So authority that is submitted to 
okay, authority that is submitted to, and the Bible tells us to submit to authority unless it violates the word of God. His, his ways are always above the ways of man. Amen? And so nothing happens without the authority we take in prayer. We must take authority, church. Amen? Pray in the authority of the believer. When you pray, speak back to God the things that are in his word. Because when we speak back to him, you know, Father God, I thank you that I'm more than a conqueror by Christ Jesus. David, can you say that again? Father, I'm more than a conqueror. It is not I who live, but it's Christ who lives. Say it again, David. Every, Father, uh, uh, how many times must I say this until you believe it? And then eventually on the hundredth day, I'm like, I really am a conqueror. <laughs> I really have got the victory. And then that, that's what begins to turn. Amen. When we begin to speak his word back to him, he says, ah, now I know that you've written my words in your heart. You've bound them to my heart. And so that's what happens. And when the centurion went to Jesus, he's like, somehow the centurion knew that Jesus, had com Jesus could command the natural world so that it's nothing for the dead to come back to life because Jesus has command over that. Eventually, we have time right now to do this, but eventually the day is going to come when God is going to say enough and that is when Jesus is going to come back. Eventually, it's going to be enough. The time has come. And Jesus is coming back again. Amen. So I'm encouraging you, church. Have you settled on your callings? Do you know what God wants you to do? Do you know if he wants you to preach, teach, evangelize, administrate? But do you know that he also wants you to be an intercessor? And some people say, do you know what? I am called to this. I am called to that. But intercession, no. Only a few people are called to intercession. No. We are all called to intercession. intercession. Intercessory prayer births and brings forth things into the kingdom, into the church. And because it's not easy to be an intercessor, a lot of people, it's not very attractive. But I want to call you to intercessory prayer. And so um, I know that this is going on quite a bit this morning, and I haven't even hit the revival thing. But I want to encourage you, maybe we'll keep a little bit over till next week because I want to share with you what to pray for and what to look for in revival. What, how do we know revival is happening? How do, what are the signs of, of revival? Do we know? And so I want to share that with you. But in the meantime, we're praying on, on Wednesday morning at seven o'clock at sunrise prayer. Amen. And we're praying, we're interceding. Amen. And when we intercede, there's power. Amen? So we have to know the Lord, get into harmony with him when we pray and with one another. Amen? Does anyone know the story of Anna the prophetess? She was a widow, and she continually went to the temple to minister to the Lord. She was a praying person. Her intercession heralded and brought in Jesus's arrival. Amen. Matthew 7, 23 says that those who, those who know me, I receive them. It's only those who know the Lord, and it's only those that the Lord knows that are received by him. This morning, 
you have an opportunity if you're here to know the Lord. He already knows you. He already knows who you are. He knows your name. He knows all the things that you've been through. He knows your heartache. And in, in God's word, it says every tear that you've cried, he knows why. He knows what it was for. He knows what it was about. He knows it. He knows you. He knows us. You know, I, I, had, I, I had to, I've had to say this many times. I don't understand I don't understand, but I know someone who does understand everything, and it's the Lord God Almighty. I sometimes don't understand. God knows me better than I know myself. I don't understand, but He does. And so to be known by Him is amazing. And so all we need to do is come into harmony. Giving your life to Jesus is coming into harmony with Him. Amos chapter 3, verse 3 says, how can two people walk together unless they agree with one another? You know, I couldn't, you know, if, if Brian and I were always disagreeing over things, he'd probably say, listen, this friendship's not going to go very far. But as soon as I begin to come into harmonious agreement with Brian, and we begin to, we might not share everything in common, but we agree on, we agree on that then we begin to work in harmony with one another. Amen? And when we begin to work in harmony with one another as the churches were supposed to, this is the thing. Satan wants disharmony in the church. He wants us, you know when we sing, when the, the team sing, it's like harmony. One voice. Did you know that John Wesley, one morning, 1700 and whenever he was around 1793, I think, they were in the chapel and he was praying with his brother Charles Wesley and some other friends. And at three o'clock in the morning, they all experienced the phenomenal power of the Holy Spirit in the room. And do you know what he said in his journal? He said, as soon as that power hit us, we all began to sing in one voice, one accord. It was like the harmony that came out of the presence of God changed everything. And we all know how powerful John, uh, uh, John Wesley's ministry was. In fact, one of the men that was at that prayer meeting that night was a man called Whitfield. And Whitfield had all the miners down in Bristol, down a, a field in Bristol. Whitfield is preaching to all of these, these hard miners that have been there. And he Many thousands of men and women gave their lives to Jesus. Where did all of this come from? It came from intercession. It came from men saying, I'm going to give up. I'm going to, I'm going to put my appetite for what I want. I'm going to say, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so all we have to do is be persistent. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, for future content, please subscribe. And if anything spoke to you or was relevant to you, please leave a comment. If you want to find out more about the church, how to support the ministry or connect with us, then go to bridge-church.com. So until next time, thank you for joining us and goodbye.